Hey, podcast listeners, from time to time, someone invites me, your humble host, onto their podcast. Recently, the host of the Athletic Directors podcast, the AD podcast, uh, welcomed me onto their show and really to talk about the importance of a healthy track and field program for an athletic department, something that was really near and dear to my heart. And we get into topics such as uh, why track is important for all other sports, volleyball, football, baseball, basketball, etc., and how it's important for the culture of the athletic department. And we even get into how to make some money as far as budgets when it comes to track and field. So I think you'll enjoy this. I appreciate you guys listening to these bonus episodes. So help me welcome from the AD podcast, myself, Mike Cunningham. Enjoy. Bring your school's legacy to life with the Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. Our interactive display highlights your greatest moments and top performers, both past and present, across athletics, academics, and the arts. But it's also so much more. With our one-of-a-kind content program, we help you every step of the way so you can tell more compelling stories that will engage your whole community. In episode 20 on the AD Podcast, we're joined by Mike Cunningham, a former high school and collegiate track and field coach who is now the National Business Development Manager for Gill Athletics. For those who have never heard of Gill Athletics, they are an American manufacturer of track and field equipment that is utilized by track and field programs of all shapes and sizes. Together, we discuss why track and field programs are so important and beneficial to athletic departments, college football playoff rankings, how to compete, and developing department culture using inter-program award challenges. This podcast is created by two NIAAA teaching faculty members who want to talk sports, life, and help interscholastic ADs worldwide navigate their current situation and questions. I'm Freddie. I'm Scott. We hope we can get you to laugh, learn, and enjoy us along with our AD guests and providing a little levity to the profession of athletic administration. This is the AD Podcast, where we fully understand what AD truly stands for. So you're working all day, after dark, and handling all duties. Freddie, this one's coming out literally the week of thanksgiving for everyone listening uh you already told me your your better half's already prepping for christmas oh yeah like i said while we're recording this she's actually out doing some shopping and i've actually probably you know 10 minutes before we start recording this hit the the uh purchase button on a couple of you know online things that have already hit the the uh black friday markets you know so uh i'm try, trying to get ahead of the ahead of it so in december I'm not, you know, running around usually in December, right? You know, you, you know, we could talk us as ADs, educators, whatever, you know, we're all the way up until Christmas break. And then, you know, usually as soon as Christmas breaks out, then that's when I go out and do all the Christmas shopping and, 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 you know, so that last minute stuff. So I'm trying to get a little ahead of the game while it's in a little, uh, dead period, if you want to say between, uh, fall and winter sports here in South Carolina. I, uh, on that same thought, I know I'm in trouble when I start seeing the Google, christmas list gets shared with me by my wife and i'm like ah crap i'm already behind and then and then i sit there our anniversary is in december so then i have a reminder on my phone to remember you know what's the traditional anniversary gift when that comes around right uh smarter not harder on that one and it's funny because i'm better at that than she is but the christmas list hits me and i'm like it is first week in november or something along those lines mm -hmm. i'm like no 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 my 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 shopping happens in december uh, and, and I still find the same deals that y'all find on black Friday. 
and they're, they're still out there, but they might not be the same thing that my wife might've put on that list. And that's okay with me. I, I sleep fine at night. Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying, I've never been ahead of the game on this. So I'm trying to actually get ahead of the game. The problem is, is if I buy a gift a month ahead of time, even if it's a week ahead of time, it's very hard for me not to just say here, here, have it. Well, I don't, I don't want to wait for you to open it. So it's, you know, we'll, we'll see when these things start, you know, you know, showing up on the doorstep in a, in the next couple of weeks, if, if they actually make it all the way to Christmas. How's the little one doing? Which one? The newest edition. The newest. So far, I was, you know, he actually sitting right next to me, just knocked out. So I had to give him a, give him a bottle before this. So hopefully he, he's, he'll sleep through it. But uh, for those, if I'm talking and all of a sudden I go away for a second, then you know that the six week old is, is, is needing me. Hey, fat and happy. You got the food coma. The food coma is the best kind of sleep you get. And that's about to hit coming uh, Thursday this week for y'all. You know, you get some of that tryptophan in you out of that turkey. Good night. And there's some great football on Thursday and Friday. Gotta love. I love rivalry week. We'll we'll eventually get there because, you know, good old, you know, the when the rivalries come around um, at the end of the football season. So we'll get there with our guest because I think he's going to want to talk about some uh, some fun football on that one. Freddie, this one, we're, you know, for all of you listening this week, we are going into the benefits of a healthy track and field program. None of you saw that coming. None of you saw that topic coming at all. You're all like, probably going to talk about something mental health again, or maybe we're going to go into the lines of, you know, the NADC is coming in, in December. We do have an episode on that coming with some two very awesome guests that are very nice to hop on with us. Um, another podcast in the interscholastic AD realm coming on uh, to join Freddie and I, but we're going to talk track and field because there are so many benefits to a track and field program in a high school setting that I don't think a lot of people t- either take it for granted, don't do it right, or aren't set up for success in that in that regard. And our guest today is going to literally help us navigate that one because it's an important topic. So without further ado, let's bring on our expert for the day in all things track and field. We're going to Champaign, Illinois. He is a Troy Trojans fan. Learned that he went there and named, he loves it so much, he named his son Troy. Spent 10 years coaching track and field in the collegiate and interscholastic ranks. Currently serves as the National Business Development Manager for Gill Athletics. He's been with the company for 17 years. Gill Athletics, for all of you that don't know, is an American manufacturer of track and field equipment that is utilized by track and field programs of all shapes and sizes, club, high school, and collegiate. Welcome to the pod, Coach Mike Cunningham. Scott, Freddie, this is a real honor. You guys do a really amazing job with this podcast. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. Not only do I host my own, uh, listen to a ton of them, including yours, but I also teach a class at a junior college, Podcasting 101, to help people create their own podcasting. So anytime I see uh, guys that are doing uh, in this realm and doing it really well, first class, uh, I'm just get excited. So super excited to be here today. Super excited about athletic directors and uh, track coaches, football coaches. My heart and love is in uh, specifically track coaches because of what track did for me in my life. But man, I love coaches and athletic directors and the positive impact that they make on young people around this country. So I'm excited to, to talk a little track and talk a little AD today with you. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I think your background is just very specific. And in terms of just going to it, I know I I've list I ended up you found me on, I believe, LinkedIn or no, it was Twitter. I think it was Twitter we found each other. 
Uh, I started listening to the the Gill Gill Athletics podcast and love. I love what you do. It's fun. It's fun learning things about. Tr- I wish I would have known about it like sooner because there's a lot of fun tidbits you get out of that about track and field that you have no idea exist. And I think that's uh, that's kind of what spurred on this topic uh, when I started sending it to Freddie. Like, hey, we don't ever we've never talked about track and field. And again, like the thought on that again, a, a lot of schools right track and field. It's it's usually one of your bigger programs. Um, I know my, I mean, we don't have cuts. Anyone's welcome. I mean, it's like one of the nicest programs you, we offer, uh, no matter, no matter what level you're at in high school athletics. Uh, and so I just, I just think that there's a lot of benefits from this topic and just kind of diving into some things that maybe people haven't thought about, or maybe they don't really talk about, um, or maybe they haven't even tried with their, their track and field programs. Yeah, you know, to get some facts on the board to kind of support what you just said there, you know, track on the boys' side for high school is the number two most participated sport. Football, I don't want to say of course, but football is number one. And on the girls' side, track and field is the number one most participated sport. So when you add boys and girls together, you know, the participation numbers are off the charts. So, you know, if you if you don't have a healthy track and field program, it's a little bit like you're, you're behind the eight ball. What, what are you doing that you know, other schools, most of your schools are doing. And I think one of the greatest things, even though I love the sport itself of track and field, uh, uh, another added benefit for a school is it helps your other programs. You will have a better basketball, football, baseball, et cetera, soccer, volleyball. You will have a better sports program in your department if you have some, just some attention. doesn't even take a ton, just some attention towards track and field. Any thoughts on that, Freddie, before we dive into sports talk and then we'll 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 eventually dive into track and field? Yeah, well, I mean, my only track story other than being a, an AD is as a seventh grader, they wouldn't let seventh graders play uh, school soccer where I was um, for whatever reason. I don't know the reason and why, you know, but so I went and ran uh, track and, you know, loved it, loved, had a great experience. The only problem was, is again, being a seventh grader, never really, really in track before I get there. And the coach is like, Oh, you're a soccer player. Go run distance. Yeah. I'm not a distance runner. <laughs> I mean, I was terrible, you know, especially with seventh graders going against 11th to 12th graders. Right. And so, um, yeah, that was not a fun experience. I should have, should have done like the 800 or the 400 or, or maybe even just tried out sprinting. Cause I was actually pretty fast. I don't, you know, I wouldn't have been able to compete with the juniors and seniors, but, um, I think I would have had a little bit more success. So, you know, that was, you know, my only track experience was, you know, like I say, well, I think we'll get into it. My only track experience was the the coach saying, hey, you're a soccer player, go run distance. And that was not that that was not good. We missed out. You could have been like a superstar. It's not That's where you right. start. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. It's no different yep. than any other sport. You're not a well, necessarily a superstar uh, quarterback as a freshman. You got to learn and develop. It's the yep. same with sprinters and jumpers, etc. You you could have been the man in track and field. I, I mean, I guess. I mean, but you know, it was definitely a one and done. You right. I was <laughs> I was definitely a you know because once I got to that eighth grade, it wasn't a oh I had you know I had a great time hanging out with you know track and you know, but it wasn't a well, do I need to continue with track or go to soccer? It was a hundred percent. I'm going back to soccer. So. <laughs> I, I had, didn't even have the chance for track in the spring. I played golf. So I, uh, that's what I did in college. So that was, uh, unfortunately track was not an option for me. I did do it in middle school. So I don't know if that counts, but I, I did do 100%. it. In middle school. Yeah, I, I did do it in middle school. So been around that outside of that, it's, it's all athletic directing, uh, with, with track programs. I was blessed with very, uh, two great, at, I was at two separate school districts as the district AD and, and one of them are one track program at the largest high school that I was at 
they, uh, I mean, we had the upwards of 150 participants and I mean, our, our, our JV team would roll. I mean, we couldn't find enough JV meets to go to just to give kids stuff. And we'd be rolling two buses for that. So, I mean, like, you know, you're sending a hundred kids to just go, you know, have some fun. And that was the, that was the thing, the coach I had, the head coach I had for that program was just phenomenal. Just getting the kids that maybe don't do something in the spring to come out and do it, or maybe get some of the football players that, you know, are like, well, I only do football and like wrestling or whatever, which again, totally do wrestling. That's a great thing for football players, but they, they're like, you don't do something in the spring pro typically, you know, they would maybe go and do baseball or whatever, but, um, or be a thrower. Um, but some of them would come out and he would just be a heck of a recruiter to go recruit them out to do running events and be like, why not do fun conditioning? And you get to go on a meet and you get out of school. And like, why would you not do that? Like, why are you going to just go and you have to stay at school and then you're going to go to the weight room and then you're going to do off season conditioning there. And it's like, what are you working for? Like next season? Sure. But you could work for something more fun and maybe even do decent at it. And the JV meets were pretty darn cool in Eastern Washington. We would have some good schools that would host really fun JV meets. And, uh, it was just, it was a good time. So I, I, again, this is a fun, I think this is a fun topic just because I had really good, I had fun track coaches. So, uh, to work with. Brady, you want to soft toss me the college football playoff or do you want me to just start going in? No, I mean, I'll, I, I'll throw it out there. I, I told Scott before we hit record, we we've got to talk, uh, college football. Um, like I said, with, especially with this coming out, you know, really before Thanksgiving and rivalry weekend and all that, and, um, getting close to that final ranking. Uh, we, we do have to talk about, uh, again, I'll go ahead and get it out there. Clemson's finally starting to look a little better. Um, that they are. you know, we, I don't know if it's, we're starting to figure out, you know, Garrett Riley, if, if, um, or what, I mean, I really think, you know, the defense has been playing all right, you know, all, all year. Um, but the you know, offense has been able to click. I do think we found our feature running back and, and Moffa. And I think he's, you know, should have been the feature running back from the beginning of the year, but, um, you know, it is what it is, but, I think we're we're finally hitting our strides. We just got to hopefully finish strong against South Carolina. You know, uh, we got North Carolina this weekend, but by the time you hear this, that game has passed. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we did a good showing on that one as well. Um, but yeah, we we're 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 playing for a, a decent uh, a bowl game this year. You know, you know maybe after Christmas, right? You know, so now it's <laughs> it's it's try try to get after Christmas bowl versus before Christmas, but. No, definitely had to throw out. We got to talk about uh, your your alma mater in, in, in Washington. Um, you know, there's a lot of undefeated teams. Um, so really, you could put them all in you know different areas. And there's 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 very really you know one through ten could be I mean, all of them really could be deserving of the top four spots because you know a lot of those teams are one losses and you know lost to a good team whatever. But you know they got they got Washington on the outside looking in right. Y'all were y'all were the the, the child that got shut out the house right now. So how, how's it, how, how's it doing for the, for the dogs? As a fan, absolutely frustrating. The PAC 12 gets no respect and I, and I, and I get it and I get it. I, you know, we don't, we're not a, a, a blue blood football conference. We are considered the conference champions because across all sports, we actually have the most championships. Um, but I mean, that goes into water polo that goes into, you know, beach volleyball. I mean, it goes into all the stuff because we're on the West coast. And most of the LA schools. So, but what's my pet peeve is going into the season, Washington had one of the hardest scheduled um, football schedules. So we had one of the, we have one of the top ranked ones. USC also had that. 
Um, and so right now, when you look at the, the, the committee, you know, how all their criteria that they bring up, well, it's, you know, it's, you know, notable opponents and conference schedule. Okay, great. You can go through Ohio State and, you know, Georgia. Georgia has a decent conference schedule. Their hardest game is going to hit them when they have to play Alabama in the SEC conference game. That might be a game that most likely good old Nick Saban is going to show up again. And guess what? Going to find the W because he just knows how to pick apart Kirby Smart. So, I mean, like, that's that's coming, but it's not that doesn't count, right? Because it, it hasn't happened. It's not on the schedule, technically. But... The one that gets me is Florida State. Florida State, you're good old. I'm going to the ACC for you, and I'm going to pick apart them right now. Their only ranked opponent on that schedule, and given Clemson could have had a chance, was LSU. Well, LSU isn't even a, even in the discussion in the SEC, and they've been rolled by multiple teams now. So now you're looking at it like, okay, your strength of win is that. University of Washington has had to go toe-to-toe with Oregon, who's six, who is by hand, and I'll say this out loud, is the best all-around team in college football right now. Their defense is solid. They run the ball better than most, and Bo Nix can chuck it. Not as good as Michael Penix, but but he can. And and he's not going to win the Heisman because we're going to probably have to see them again in the Pac-12 championship. But we've had to go through Oregon. We've had to go through USC, who is a good team. They're horrible defense, which they just fixed that by firing their DC. I don't know if that's going to fix it. We had to get through Arizona, who is now a is now ranked, and they had they had taken a lot of these teams to you know fight overtime wins or lo- sorry for them losses. Now we're on the we beat Utah. Utah's a solid team, and then now we're going to Oregon State, who's number ten. And Oregon State's not to laugh about because Jonathan Smith, who's the old OC out of Washington, has that team cooking because he took your quarterback back home from from Clemson. So. And we're having to go on the road for that one. And then we end with WSU, who's down, but it's a rivalry game. So, I mean, you know, note that up. But we've had to go through now at this point four top 15 programs, top 20 programs, if you go recent rankings on those. And now we get Oregon State. And we still don't get any love to go above Florida State University. Now, don't get well, me Florida wrong. State, Florida State struggled through the ACC. I mean, and, it wasn't like they were blowing out everybody. There were some very close games. And I'm not saying we blew out everyone in the Pac-12, but we've we've won. We have hands down the Heisman leader right now because Caleb Williams fell behind and Bo Nix is fine, but I'm not an Oregon fan, obviously. And but my my just the pet peeve is that we still can't just get into that fourth spot. And that's the hard one for me. I mean, Michigan, look at Michigan's, the only two teams on Michigan's, they had one of the softest football schedules. If you look through all of their games that they've played, soft, all soft competitors, not even ranked going into it for them, except for Penn State, who didn't look great. And then they get Ohio State, which then that's just hopefully a one loss team out of there, hopefully drops one of them out. But I'm not also going to hold my breath because we're going to probably have to see Oregon again. Uh, barring that they don't hiccup to uh, – I'm trying to think of who they play this – I don't think they play anyone of note this weekend. Maybe they have Arizona. I am not. I don't even know who Oregon – I didn't look ahead. But Oregon will have to play Oregon State in, in what's called the Civil War. I would hope the Beavs can maybe have a chance to upset them. But then I don't, I don't remember. Then that's a two-loss team, and I, I'm not sure. I think Oregon State has to beat us and Oregon to have a chance to play in the – in the Pac-12 title game. But then it, it gets really interesting for me when if Oregon wins out, we win out, then that means we're going to be facing Oregon in the Pac-12 conference game. 
were undefeated then, and they have a one loss. So then who does the head-to-head go to on that one when we have a higher-ranked conference schedule or a football schedule ranking, a strength of schedule over Oregon? We both beat each other once. Like, are you then looking at the margin of victory on those two? Like, yeah, but as you know, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I think if if Florida State loses, they're out. ACC's out. I, th- I mean, it's uh, it's. I mean, I th- I I th- I don't think they need to be any higher than four. Um, because like I said, ACC's very weak. Uh, again, we started strong. We had a ton of schools in the 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 AP rankings. Um, but then we, you know, North Carolina started falling off. Georgia Tech was doing well, but they've started, you know, um, sliding off. Um, and but. I mean, Duke was yeah, good. We, too, yeah, Duke. Duke, Duke was great. Again, I'm a, I'm a, a secret Duke fan because number five, Jalen Calhoun was yeah. one of my was one of my students, so I, I got a pull for him. Um, but you know, it's but you know, we got to talk SEC. We got an SEC guy. You know, if you know, no, we all know ACC or you know, Pac-12 is not going to get much love, right? And when it comes to football, when it's close like that, if if Georgia and Alabama see each other in the in the the uh, SEC championship and Alabama does pull it off. Can't, who's to not say they put both I, of them in there? I mean, and then that knocks out a a Washington or an Oregon or a, you know a, a Florida State if if things are close like that. Um, I do think if Washington wins out, um, I think they they'll, they'll be in there. Um, but you know it, it's going to get interesting, especially if you know if Ohio State Michigan game is close. Um, and then if Alabama ends up, ends up beating Georgia, um, if if those two things happen, I, it, it's going to be very interesting. Mike, you're more so, welcome to chime in on that. You said you're an SEC homer, so I was I was just I, we're we're letting you have the moment. Yeah, so I'm an unapologetic SEC homer. You know, if we're pay, playing tiddlywinks, I would think the SEC would win the national tiddlywink national championship. Okay, there's they, no wrong in the SEC, and a former SEC coach myself at Mississippi State. Um, you know, you, you talked about pet peeves, Scott. You know, the real pet peeve here is that today, you know, this changes next year, right? Uh, we do a four team playoff because that's the that's the real problem you know i'm okay when we go to 12 and you know the 13th team wants to complain it's like yeah sorry you know let's move on but i I think washington at five has an absolute argument they really do because there's amazing teams right behind as well six seven eight nine ten are they're they're really good teams and uh in a true playoff system like we do with one double a and division two and division three um i think it'll just be a better game and and not because like I'm not necessarily I don't like you know the Alabama dynasty and things like that. Like I I'm fine with that to be honest with you. But I like when it's proven through a playoff that okay these two teams are the best teams that day through the playoff, not based off of someone's vote. Someone uh, you you mentioned how do you pick between uh, if Washington beats Oregon now you both have one losses how do you pick that like it should be Washington is the better team because they beat Oregon the later in the season in the. Pac-12 championship. So uh, I'm excited for a better champion, for a better playoff system. Um, and we'll just get more SEC teams in that 12 team playoff. <laughs> I, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Freddie, to your point, I I'm afraid of what happens when Alabama upsets Georgia in the SEC title game. And if, or if, if Oregon and Washington do show up, the only way a Pac-12 team makes it in is undefeated, which I'm mm. UW's the only one left. If, if Oregon, throws us a loss in that game screw it there's no way i a one loss alabama that had to go through georgia and they have solid more solid wins in my in my opinion by that point 
Alabama's had to come back from their loss to Texas. Um, yeah, but that also throws out Texas too, right? Oh I mean, yeah, Texas oh, is sitting right there. If if all these scenarios, Texas is in the scenario. And, There's no, yeah, nah, I, I can't. Steve Sarkeesian. No, I can't. He used to he used to be our head coach at uh University of Washington. So there's no there's no good blood there. And we we threw them down last year in the bowl game, so it's all good. Um there's no chance. The hookum ain't hookum ain't making the playoff even 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 if everyone in front of them lost. You know, with this four team playoff though, you can't take out emotion with the voting, right? So yeah. when you th- when you think about Washington or Oregon, one loss or not, um you know, it's really odd how, and I agree. Traditionally, Pac-12 has gotten no respect for the the play the teams that they've had, right? The the West Coast bias, etc. But this year, it's kind of really odd, right? Because this is the last year of the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 mm-hmm. is arguably having the best year ever. Mm-hmm. So there's emotionality into voting of like, well, let's give the Pac-12. Like it, it, you, you can't fault me if I vote for a one one uh, loss Washington or Oregon because it's Pac-12 and it's the last two raw. Get them in the playoffs. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if 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 one of them got in. Well, I don't want to just prolong the sports talk because I could talk Pac-12 football all day long. The problem with the Pac-12 and football is we're we have a ton of parity from top to bottom, and so like we're in the SEC and I'm, we have a Homer fan there. Like they, it always has been perennially like the top two in the SEC just roll through their conference, their conference schedule. And then boom, they collide Georgia, Alabama, or, you know, Georgia LSU, right? Like Georgia, you know, right. Whoever, whoever's kind of rolled through it. They, those two just roll through the schedule. No problem. In the PAC 12, we always beat each other up. You, you have these, you know, rivalry games that come out of nowhere and Oregon gets upset by Oregon state. Or Washington back in the day, Washington State, Washington U Dub back in the early '90s when we won our title. Washington State, we came into it ranked third. Washington State wasn't even ranked. Beat us, gone. Right. Washington State, other way around, they were four, ranked four in the country. We beat them, gone. You know the day, the days that they had uh, Drew Bledsoe at the helm and stuff. I mean, just, and that's how it's gone. Where we just we end up, you know, USC. We had a kicker. Um, we had a kicker at U Dub when I was there. We beat, we were enough. We weren't worthwhile. Steve Sarkeesian, you know, we, we just were, were not good, but our, we upset USC when they're two. I mean, they're like, right. Like USC got knocked down because of our field goal kicker booted a 56 yarder in the rain. Like, so it's just, we beat each other up and that's the hard part. Like Arizona looks really good, but they're not, they're, they're barely going to make a bowl game, but they've taken half of us. Like they've took all of us to overtime. I mean, and so th- that's the hard part is, is we're so, parable from the top to the bottom that we just beat each other up every year and then we don't have a chance like we don't have a we don't have that juggernaut program Oregon when Chip Kelly was doing it was probably the closest thing we've had where they they do they would roll through everybody you know they had like a 40 point spread on every I mean margin of victory in the Pac-12 for a few years there with Chip and then they would you know lay a goose egg against an Ohio State or an Alabama or Auburn um, and just not win it so See, in the SEC, we have mental parity. And what that means is uh, we think we're better no matter what school, South Carolina, Mississippi State. And so when we go to the bowl games and we lose, by the way, we, we don't have a great bowl game record. We just get to say, oh, yeah, we just didn't care because we weren't playing for the national title. And we just move on <laughs> and that, still think we're better. And that's the thing. We, my, my buddy, my buddy, Brian, he him and I are just diehard Pac-12 fans. Like we're we're just totally torn that this is the last go around uh, this year for, you know, Pac-12 sports. And, uh, and it's so funny last year in the bowl season, I mean, we, we had a, the PAC 12 had a great bowl season, Utah won, Oregon state won, UCLA won their game, 
we won. I mean, like Oregon won. It's just like it we because again, I you're right. Like we don't play for national titles, so so the we make you know we make the post Christmas bowl game like Freddie's talking, and then you're like, woo, we're gonna go play play the best game of the year because we need recruiting. So uh, yeah. I will say before we move on though, being a Pac-12 guy, um, when we talked about this at the very beginning of football season, um. I really think, you know, again, I'm I'm a I'm a Colorado fan. I like I like what Prime's doing. Same. I think I think they, they they let some games go that they should have won. But you can't fault uh, the studs he has on on his team just because you know he he doesn't have an offensive line. That he doesn't have a defensive line. I mean, he doesn't he don't have any big boys that can protect the quarterback. Um, and we've seen once once Shador has time to get set over. Right, I mean, because he, he's going to drop dimes wherever he needs to, to put them. But what I mean, you know, just I guess being a Pac-12 guy, and I go, I know they're going to be in a different conference and all that next year. But, uh, you know, w- what what do you feel about once he gets some, as he called, you know, some dog offensive linemen in there? I think that they're going to be they're going to be contentious again. I don't know if they're going to make it in the top twelve, but I think they'll definitely, you know, because they they've gone toe to toe with everybody except for Oregon, right? I mean, they they went toe to toe with USC and. And could have won that one, but they well, couldn't keep Shador upright. Good old Dan Lanning always has a chip on his shoulder. So when when Dan Lanning took Oregon into Colorado, he, I mean, how many fourth downs did he go on? I think they faked the punt twice. I mean, like he had, he was just over Prime's craft in the Pac-12, and he let him know it. Unfortunately, or I guess Colorado went into Oregon. It's not an easy mm-hmm. environment in Austin. They, they there's nothing else to do in Eugene, Oregon, other than track and field. Um, and so when you when when football for, you know Saturday shows up, they that's all they have to do there. That was my worst experience. Any Oregon fan listening, you you uh, you will know. Uh, it was my worst experience going to Austin Stadium as a Husky fan. Uh, in terms of an of an away crowd, uh, it was ridiculous. Uh, I'm not even gonna get into it. I would rather. I love going to Oregon State. They're a friendly crew. Washington State and in, in in even our in-house rival is more friendly than going down to the Ducks. Um, so on that line. But to talk about it, Shadur Sanders, I think, is still in the top ten for passing yards in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and and he's he's getting sacked. Yeah, what yes. eight, ten, twelve, you know, times. And and even if he's done getting sacked, he's still getting touched. And yeah. it's like, come, man, come it, on. It, it's like Michael Penix, uh, it's Bo Nix. It's uh, it might be Drake May. Caleb Williams was up there, but he's had some rough ones lately. Um, where he didn't get the passing yards. Uh, but Shadur, I believe, was last time I saw the stat was top five in passing yards, and he was only like five hundred or six hundred yards behind technically Michael Penix, um, which is the leader right now. Uh, in turn, Lord knows the Huskies don't run the ball, so uh, we we definitely are chucking that rock. Um. I, again, I think you're right. I think if you get a if you get some offensive big boys in there at Colorado, the Big Twelve better watch out. Colorado ain't ain't no joke anymore, and uh, and they're getting also they're getting Utah and Arizona next year. I, the Big Twelve isn't just going to be your you know prototypical Midwest states having some you know Southern states having fun. It's it's literally I mean Colorado and Utah are going back to the Big Twelve. You know they were prototypically there before they came to the Pac twelve Pac ten. And uh, Colorado is going to be a legit program. And Utah, Willingham has has that thing well-oiled on the defensive side. If they would have had Cam Rising at the helm, Utah would have been way better of a program. The quarterback they have just doesn't have that system down. And unfortunately, their defense can hang in there, but they can't win it. Um, and so, 
Michael looked like you were about to chime in. Yeah, well, I was going to, you know, Freddie, I agree with you about Colorado because, you know, the thing that we forget about, and I I kind of preach this to our track coaches, but the same goes with football. And, you know, maybe you know it even more with football is winning is hard. And we forget Colorado won one game last year. Not only they won way more this year, like you said, there were a few that they kind of maybe let get away that they easily could have pulled the upset on. They've been in every game except Oregon. And, yeah. and, pe- and people yeah. talk about, well, he had, you know, he brought in 70 new kids or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, uh, you know, if you've ever coached football, bringing in 70 new kids is hard. You you got to figure out how to get them into the system, how to figure out the culture. And he's growing all of this new that that's hard. I think what he's done, he gets trashed a lot because of the prime and the swag. And that's probably also why he's got fans like me because of the swag and the prime and things like that. But I think what he and his staff has done is really remarkable 70 new kids or not brand new into a program that had a culture of winning one game man bravo to what those guys have done um and and exciting to see what might happen in the future if you know he stays and (laughs) you know those are always question marks on any coach but uh you know you never know what's going to happen in the future but i i like it i'm a fan um i tell you what i never watched colorado football till this year every game i've got it on though i'm watching I stayed up past midnight to watch that Colorado, Colorado State game that went to overtime because I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Mm-hmm. This is I mean, and and that stadium, I haven't ever seen their stadium packed out like it was. I mean, every game they went to mm-hmm. the the heartbreaker you're you're thinking of is they lost to Stanford and they lost to Arizona State, and they were just right. unfortunate mm-hmm. losses when I think Stanford they were up twenty-eight to zero or twenty-eight. Yep. Something at, at, halftime. at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and even even Prime said he was a little too uh, relax going into halftime and he's like, Oh, you know, we've got this one. We're rolling. And then they couldn't score to save their lives in the second half. And, um, yeah, I mean that they needed those two, right. Those were the two on the schedule when we're looking at the schedule going, all right, these are the ones that are going to get them to a bowl. And, you know, they, they slipped away, but they, Hey, that's what, that's what sports are, right. They're not yeah. one on paper because I think they're, are they four and they're, are they two games out from a bowl game? They're two games point? out. Yeah. They got to win. The, they got to win the next two to get in. Oh, so they have to have Utah left then because that's their rivalry game technically in the pac 12. Um, that's brutal. And then, uh, I, I wonder who else they play. They got, they got, who do they, they play tonight. Tonight's, uh, the- Oh, 17th because i was looking at it earlier they got a team that they could possibly again depending on how they play i'm I'm gonna look it up real quick depending on how they play depends on um if they can get that one it's not a utah it's a um washington state they got washington state tonight okay now that's winnable washington state just doesn't yeah they haven't been able to put it together this year Yeah. so i mean they they could win that one but again utah's i mean they could do it but utah's a, a that's gonna be a hard task yeah that'll be a hard one I think that's the fun part of what prime and attitude and what they've done has made it for this year is to your point, you know, any other year we'd be like, well, they're they're not going to win versus Utah. That's a loss. And here we're like, you know what, the way they play, they might win. And so that makes it exciting to watch. And just hats off again. I think every home game was sold out. Like it's like one of the hottest tickets to get just to go watch the Colorado Buffaloes. Apparently they're now the greatest show on turf. So yeah, and uh, I love, you know, the beginning of the season, little Wayne is like walking them out of the, the tunnel and, you know, get a little mini, rock. yeah, a little mini concert, the you know, you know the, the, uh, anyway, I, I know we, we've been going for I, you know, 30 minutes on, on this stuff. So you, I, we're, we like sports y'all. I think that's just the easiest thing to say. Uh, I digress on the Huskies. Hopefully, uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we uh, made it past Utah and uh, the CFP finally on it. Well, I'm, 
this should be coming out on a Wednesday. You should be listening right now on a Wednesday of uh, Thanksgiving week. I uh, hopefully the CFP finally, you know, had some common sense and listened to this podcast. And they're like, yeah, we should probably put we should probably put Washington at four. Undefeated Washington at four sounds good. Um, I digress. We're gonna hit an ad break. When we come back, we're gonna dive in with Mike on track and field programs and what they can do for a high school athletic department. Uh, stay tuned from Wall of Fame, and we'll see you in a few. Hi, I am John Townsend, the CEO of Vital Signs, and we are proud to partner with the AD Podcast. We believe in their vision to make continuing education enjoyable while they support our Wall of Fame product and its ability to bring your school's legacy to life. Congratulations to Scott and Freddie on the kickoff to a great inaugural season, and thank you for tuning in. Mike, we started talking about it. We went into some really good tidbits, and then we got lost in all things college football, uh, which every once in a while, Freddie and I do go down that roll, down that line pretty quick. But let's let's uh, let's bring the train back to the tracks and uh, go down the line of tra- go away from football um, and go into track and field uh, at the high school level, and just maybe just go into what you've seen benefits of a healthy track and field program. Maybe the 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 key pieces to have for that. And then uh, maybe just, you know, digress from that into the different ways that a track and field program can bring not only value to a student athlete, but value to an athletic department. Um, I think, again, before we started recording, I said, you know, everyone, we all, you know, football drives a bus because football puts seats and tickets and all that, whether you're collegiate, for sure, if you're collegiate. But even in the interscholastic realm, that's, you know, again, gate revenue is a big thing for athletic departments. So maybe just go down. Let's just start there. Start around those pieces. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a healthy track program is really vital for an athletic department. You know, I already mentioned about the participation rates on high school, on the collegiate side, same thing. It is the most participated sport uh, out there over football, basketballs, et cetera. Um, But I think it's even more important on the high school side. You know, you had mentioned earlier about the conditioning and things like that. You know, I actually don't even think about it in that realm, to be real honest with you in regards to the conditioning. I think of it more as the speed, agility, and just how do you, how do you, you know, how coordinated can you be? Uh, there, there's kind of a fun, uh, I'm sure this does not reach the football side. It, it hits the track side on the Twitter. Uh, there's a fun little thing. that says Nike releases their off season shoes for football players. And it's a, a, a discus shoe and it's a sprint spike and it's a long jump spike. Meaning like, if you want to be a better football player or basketball player, track is the place to go. You'll get faster. If you throw, if you're a lineman, you'll get better coordinated. That's, you know, I was an offensive lineman in high school. I know how important uh, coordination is. Uh, so if you go throw, you'll get better coordinated. If you're a jumper, you'll be more explosive. That's pretty good for a receiver, I think, right? Uh, if you go become a better high jumper, well, that, I think that'd be pretty good for a DB and a, and a high jumper or a, a wide receiver. So track is really not just, and I don't like to make it like a secondary, like, oh, it, it's really good for football. It's really good for athletics. The, the other part, you know, there was a, a really good uh, video that just came out with some of the Miami guys. You know, we, I, I don't think we we talk about how to be a competitor very much. So it's really easy to talk about how to become a faster receiver and, you know, more coordinated to be a thrower and an offensive lineman, things like that. But sometimes we just need to compete, whether it's competing for a spot on that football team, competing against the person across the line from you. And that's what track does. When you line up in a hundred meter dash, uh, the 800 meter, (laughs) uh, the shot put, man, it's, it's mano y mano. <laughs> there is no excuses. Um, there, you can't complain that the quarterback threw it behind you. You can't complain that the point guard didn't pass to you. It is you. Do you beat the person to your left and the person to your right, 
or do you not? And I think we sometimes uh, forget about that. That's a trained skill as well. Is how do we train young people to be competitors? I'm trying to think of a thought on that because no, it's just the things that you hit on. I was trying to think of like, where, what have I seen in track programs before? And I, we kind of hit on it in the very beginning, right? I had a track coach that was just very good at recruiting play, like other athletes. And a lot of times I think you get lost in the fact that you could be good at other sports, right? Like, and it's not a hard, it's not hard in regards to like the barrier to learn the skills per se, like, again, like position work or something like that. And you can learn the, the different techniques and speed and off the blocks or, you know, you know, different, you know, thoughts, if you're in a longer distance race, like the thoughts of how to control your effort during certain legs of it. Um, but I mean, you get some of those, those high end speedsters, whether they're volleyball girls, whether they're football players, whether they're soccer players in the fall. Um, right. And you get them on like relays. There's some, there's some crazy athleticism that lives in your schools with those individuals that maybe they never even thought they had a chance for a state title and track, but because they can run name the, you know, hundred, 200, 400 real well, that's all they do. And then they go do like a field event because they're like, I, I would love to learn how to throw a discus or a javelin or a shot put. And, and I just was thinking the one that you said, you know, how to compete sometimes that aspect even though they played basketball football volleyball soccer wrestling their entire life they learn how to compete at a whole different way when they decided to go out for the track program not thinking they could make a varsity spot on something you know yeah and it's for it's for the 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 internal person too i and i you know i didn't mention earlier but my brother uh he was our number one uh cross-country uh runner at our uh, the high school again he was he's 10 years younger than me so I was never there with him but you know he went to the same high school I did but he was the number one runner there for cross country and then went over the track and 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 did it now cross country track was was perfect for him because like I said it was a competition within himself um, you know he played church basketball he did things like that he did some team things he played in the Y and but he was one of those type that like you said he would get frustrated if somebody didn't make a good pass or he would get frustrated if, you know, if he was wide open and, you know, they didn't see him or if he went to go uh, assist, you know, a, a, a person versus taking the shot and they ended up just, you know, whiffing it. Um, you know, he was the one that would get upset about that. But then he went to cross country, he went to track and it was him competing with him um, and, you know, was very good at it because he knew, OK, well, if I mess up, that's on me. Um, and you know, so, and if I excel, that's on me. So, um, that, you know, it, de- it definitely can, can hit, like you said, a different type of, uh, personality and person as well. Yeah. On the, on the track, we actually celebrate the individualism, right? And what I mean by that is in basketball, you, you made a great point there. If someone decides that, you know, they want to be the, the assist king for their conference or state, you know, they can manipulate the game, right? To always throw the pass or, or the opposite, right? It's typically scoring, right? So if I want to be the scoring leader, I can manipulate the game by shooting more instead of passing, right? Uh, and if you do that, you end up averaging 30 points a game. You might get the accolade, but that's maybe not what's good for the team. And then you end up losing, right? Well, on track, 
it's like, man, I want you to be the fastest. And, and it's okay if you try to be the fastest because we're going to get the 10 points off of that. Or you want to be the best thrower, go be the best. There's no detriment to the team for you going and doing the best scoring uh, for track and field, unlike in a basketball or uh, maybe a baseball. I'm not a big baseball guy, but definitely in football, there's ways to, you know, again, try to manipulate and pad your own stats that make you look great and all American or all state, but would be detrimental to the team. That's a great point on that one. I, uh, Again, like I even talked about the the participation on the JV side and like you can again, it's one of the most participated sports in terms of just volume of kids that can go out and do it. So like to give everyone an opportunity to go run and try it. And then sometimes you find the diamonds in the rough, right? The kid that thinks that they're not having any chance of making a varsity spot or time. And then, you know, over a three month season, you drop time pretty good if you put your mind to it and do the work and listen to your coach and, 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 and put the effort in. I, uh, I just, there's a lot of times that we would, we would host a J our league would rotate JV meets every week. And so those kids at all of our schools and we're all large high schools in Washington state, you could, uh, you could, you know, have JV kids show up and then we would have awards. And I, so like they got the, I mean, it might not be the same level of, you know, the Saturday meet that's the, you know, the, the high end invite that the varsity crews go into, but in the week, like they get out of school, they get to go run, throw whatever their event jump and they get to go do that. And then they get a same taste of it to kind of keep that competitive fire alive. And then at the end of the year, we have, a, we had a championship JV like tournament. So like all those kids could qualify, like they're qualifying for the quote unquote state tournament, but they're not the, because we had, because again, we had to do something because of how many kids were participating. It's like, well, we can't just have it just end for them. Like they should work for something too, because then we're not building anything up. And that was, that was the thought process of the track coaches. Don't make me think, don't make me sound like like the eighties. We're all of a sudden really smart about track. It was just the track coaches were like, no, we need to do, I was the AD over track for our league. So it just helped my cause that I had really good track coaches uh, that just could put it together. And they're like, no, we need to do these things. And you're like, done. Like I'll, I'll go sell this to the the league. Like that's not an issue. We'll find money for awards. We'll, you know, we'll do a schedule for hosting sites and, and, and rotate it. And then we can rotate, you know, what, you know, what track has the best chance for a, a good championship environment. Um, and so, I mean, one of our tracks had a, a video board, massive, you know, massive stadium, uh, seating and so like yeah on a Saturday that was before anything happened for the varsity crew literally you would send four or five bus loads of kids to the site and I mean they had the video we had the automatic timing we had the whole nine yards uh, as if they were literally running the state meet for our league and and, and that was just for JV like it, it's just I think there's a lot of fun opportunities with track programs that maybe you don't think about or you're like I mean you always talk about the the spend on you know, per kid in an athletic department, right? Like how much, you know, football, lacrosse or your, your heaviest equipment sports. So like you're in, you know, tracks, not too far behind, like in terms of pole vaults, in terms of javelins, shot puts, disc, you know, all the blocks. I mean, things that you travel with, it, it's, it's not a cheap sport in regards to having your equipment that you're traveling on buses with, but also it's not a cheap sport when you're, when you decide to finally host an invite or, you know, want to be a host site for maybe your league. I mean, now you have to have all the right stuff for measurements. You have to have all the right stuff for just the field events. And is it, you know, up to code? Is it certified? I mean, I can roll in through that, but I, I think a lot of times you you look at how much money you put into a program per kid and then, and then, you know, how many kids did it? 
right? And and you, you we cut in other sports because we don't have enough. But like track is one where like the amount of money per kid spent on equipment is a very low threshold for the volume of kids that can go through both boys and girls, right? That can go through it. Uh, and then put that over four years. And it's just like, it's a really, it's a really interesting ROI for an athletic department. Yeah. You know, you're right on about the cost of equipment for track and field. I mean, it's almost like you could run a whole company making that stuff. <laughs> Weird. Gill um, Athletics plug, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you haven't heard of them, look them up. Gill Athletics. Uh, you know, cross country is a little different and we don't do, you know, we don't do shoes or, you know, anything like that, but cross country is definitely one of the more cheaper, at least expensive, uh, per cast a cost per kid, uh, type of sport out there. And, you know, I, I know of programs that have, you know, a hundred cross country kids. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And when you think about the cost and that you're really more focused on your cost of travel for your meets and scheduling, things like that. But, you know, a singlet shorts and a, in uh, shoes. There you go. Look, hey, I will. I will say though, you know, this isn't a knock to anybody, but those singlets, they're very thin material. But those, those, some of those companies think very high, highly quality of the, those. You, very you thin pay materials. out for that spandex, man. It is some thin <laughs> spandex, but you pay out for it. Hey, I couldn't cut in cross country just because of the shorts, the split side shorts. I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. I'll, I'll, I'll work somewhere else. <laughs> But on the track and field side, you may bring up a great point there, Scott, in regards to the equipment. I think it I think it it gets perceived as more expensive than some other sports like a football uh, because it's a big outlay. When you do a pole vault pit and it's set up for sure. I mean, you're, you're probably thirty thousand dollars for that. And we look at it as, well, there's only we only have five vaulters or gosh, maybe you have a big vault program. You have 10 vaulters. That, that'd be a lot. And it's like, man, that's for 10 kids. You have to look at the entire sport. I, I don't look at the uh, the five man sled and go, man, that cost how much? And that's only for five linemen or 10, you know, whatever linemen we have. I think of like, no, I need it for the whole football program. That's what the, the pole vault side is there for. But, um, you know, uh, there's ways to mitigate that. And, you know, because of the participation, well, that means we need home, meet, we need track meets. And so that means people need to go to places uh, to actually do those meets. And man, with entry fees, parking fees, uh, concession stands, uh, I know of many, I mean, many high schools that are hosting invitationals and regular home meets throughout that are making their whole budget for the year. So when we talk about it's a, you know, it really kind of grates on us a little bit when we hear track is a non-revenue sport. And we typically talk about that in the college side. Um, but I tell you what, if you are, if you have a, if you have a track and it doesn't even have to be like the most amazing, you know, we've seen some of these Taj Mahals of track facilities. It doesn't have to be that. If you have a track facility and you can, and this is the key, get buy-in from the community, the teachers, et cetera, because you need people to work the meet. That, that, that is a, a pretty tough point here with the officials and things like that. If you can host meets, um, boy, if you don't pay for your entire budget for the year, you'll, you'll make a big intent indent on it. You'll get 50, 70% uh, coming back through, through uh, entry fees, et cetera. Yeah. We, um, yeah, until my coach figured it out, you know, you know, but I always told my coaches, it didn't matter which sport it was. If you host a tournament, if you host an invitational, that's your fundraiser, you keep that money. If you host a regular season game, part of our district, that money comes to the athletic department, right? That's what helps fund the athletic department. Well, you know, depending on how big your region is and your conference and all that, you know, hosting a conference regular season, quote unquote, meet versus an invitational, it, it could be the same size. Right. Um, and, you know, so, you know, my coach, my coach was the first one to host an invitational. Right. You know, we're always hosting this invitational because, like you said, we're going they're going to make a killing off of parking and admission and concession and all that. Um, but 
it was always when I came to them and said, all right, we had a conference meeting. We're hosting this conference date. They're like, oh, because they know they're fixing. Like you said, they're fixing to put in a ton of work, but the money's going to the athletic department. Um, and, you know, it's, it's trying to get that buy in, uh, you know, too, is to be all on the same page. Right. Football coaches feel it all the time. Right. They don't they don't keep that gate. Um, you know, if you had a big we had a, I, I was at a school that actually basketball brought in more than football did. Um, but you know, basketball didn't keep that. And so it's, it's, it's it benefits to the entire program. Yes. You're going to get a percentage. You're going to get a cut. Um, but it benefits the entire program, not just physically and, and more participation, but with, with money as well. Hey, you know, it's an interesting topic because there's other ways of doing it too. Right. So we, when we're, we're all three of us, when we're talking about big invitationals, I think we have in our head, you know, uh, you know, maybe 20 teams per side and there's a thousand kids. And that means, boy, you better have a lot of volunteers. You got to officiate. Uh, you're going to be out there from eight in the morning until eight at night. That's a pretty typical uh, track. And I'm, I'm very anti that to be real honest with you. Uh, but there are other ways to do it and do it well. You know, um, we, we forget sometimes, like even if I host a dual meet, even if I just get my cross town rival to come to our place and I host a meet. I, I, I'm probably not going to make a lot, you know, there's no entry fee typically. And, you know, um, I think there are ways for us to make a gate at track as well, but let's just say there's no gate. Uh, I, I did make money that day because I didn't pay to go to an invitational. So I didn't have the bus. I didn't have the food, the entry fee, et cetera. So that is a, a positive. We, we, we don't look at it because no money came in, but money didn't go out. That's a positive for a high school budget for sure. And yeah, then we always ways- charge, we always charge parking. Uh, parking, for those absolutely. we've charged parking and so again you know you, you you're paying five dollars to park but that gets four to five people in right absolutely. um and so you're you're looking at a dollar ticket but then you know the biggest thing as we know if you can open a concession right that that's where you're going especially at a track meet because you know you may have one kid that runs one event or does one uh you know throwing and they're sitting there for four five six hours they're gonna get hungry and as you know especially if they got money to burn they're they're gonna go spend it at the concession if we could roll the grills out we would absolutely we we just had on the gill connections podcast tyler rathke he's now down at uh rogers heritage heritage in arkansas but he was long time at raytown south i believe in missouri he got to where his invitational he actually had the local tv station come it was on live tv which what high school track, heck, what college track meet is on, uh, almost said national, on TV. Uh, So, you know, there's ways for coaches uh, to do this. Now, I have a ton of empathy for our coaches and athletic directors as well, right? Because let's not forget, they're not doing this full time. Uh, They're teachers, uh, their spouses, they have families, uh, they're trying to figure out grades for that semester. They probably and hopefully have charities and passions that they also like to do. So I have a lot of empathy for our high school coaches out there because, um, boy, there is a lot going on. So um, I get it that there is not time to do this or that, but there's ways to incrementally continue to improve your program and get to these type of things, uh, to these type of invitationals or home meets, et cetera. Again, if you're not hosting an invite, get your coach on online to try to figure and maybe you help with figuring out workers for that and whatnot, because those are one of the just easiest ways. I shouldn't say easy. Uh, it is definitely one of the ways that that program, which other programs don't have that success, um, can bring in re- you know revenue generating, especially for those of you that are ADs listening to this this podcast right now. That that's a way to generate revenue. And if you, when you get really good at it, when you get really good at hosting a track meet, 
it is pretty well oiled because you get people that are just lifers that like they know how to handle the the backup timing. They know how to handle the if you're lucky enough to have um, fat timing at this at the facility and it's plumbed in and you're just using cameras. I mean, timing goes out the out the door really quick for you because you just have a backup sitting there for timing and it takes away 10 people if you have a 10 lane track. 12 people if you have the backup timers and so uh unless i'm am i talking off on that mic or have i t- if i hosted an invite a few times <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah you, you got it down a little bit there absolutely yeah I, and, and, and I, then and you, you get a good announcer and someone that's like loves track i mean there's a lot of people in communities that just love track and you have no idea until you put it out there that hey we're looking for some you know notable people that want to come and help uh, a lot of times it's pretty easy to do that. You find an official, you know, starter, pay that person some decent money because they're having to handle the, the, the big stuff up front with the gun. And I don't know, it's just, if you can get it, once you get the framework organized, that's just how my brain goes, right? Have it on paper, figure it out who's, you know, who's doing what, and you can figure it out and you have the teams that want to come again from entry fees to gate fees, to parking, to concessions, to whatever other fun things you can, you know, you know, for all I care, bring out the family fun zone and bring some inflatables out. You know, I don't, I, I don't know because if you're there all day, you might as well have somewhere for the kids to go. So they're not getting in your way. That's the thing we have to do a better job in track and field. Honestly, you know, when, when my son was born, you know, of course, everybody's first question was, oh man, is he going to do track? And I was like, man, I hope not. Have you seen those things? They last forever. They're all day. <laughs> That's what's great about football, basketball. You know, it's a three hour block. Uh, you know, basketball is always indoors. I kind of like that now as a parent of two kids, instead of being outside all the time, soccer, you're always outside, uh, yeah. but they're always controlled right here. Track starts at eight in the morning, eight in the night. That's got to we've got to rein that in. There's a there's a place for those meets. There's a place for those big invitationals on the college side, the pin relays, things like that. Those are great. But we have to rein those in on our regular meets. We have to get to where we're in a two or three hour block where someone uh, remember, we're the most participated sport in the country. Right. So you are more likely when you're out grocery shopping today. You're more likely to run into someone who ran track in some form or fashion in high school than played football or baseball or golf. So we have all these people who did this sport. How come we can't get them to go pay five bucks to go to their local high school track meet and see their neighbor's kids run, jump, or throw it, right? We, they do it for basketball. There's people who, in football, plenty of people go to those games who are not diehard fans, but they played it or a neighbor plays it or a spouse played it. And so they go because they'll, they'll watch the spectacle. That's what we got to get to. We got to get to where it's a spectacle, where it's something worth going to for two or three hours, uh, pay five bucks, go to the concessions, go to the fun zone. That that's that we got to do a better job in track and field for that for sure. I did want to bring up like if you don't have all the equipment to host um uh an invitational or a meet by yourself, we've done it too. I mean, you you pay, you pair up with a, a local uh high school, you know. Maybe it's your rival, maybe it's not, but you know, you, you try to pair up with another high school and say, Hey, we'll do this. We'll do X. And you know, we'll do this half. Y'all do that half. And at the end of the, you know, at the end of the meet, you split the the income down, down the middle. Um, and you know, that that's an easy way. Cause I, the school I was at, we had a great track program. We had, you know, we had all the mats, we had all this, the blocks, we had all that stuff, but we didn't have the starting system. Um, we didn't have the clocks. We didn't have all that stuff. So, we teamed up with a a school that was about 20 minutes down the road that had all of that. They didn't want to host it at their facility because maybe their facility wasn't as nice as ours. So they actually brought all their stuff over to us and they used the timing. And then we were the one that actually hosted it. 
Hey, let me, let me tell you, you know, coaches are going to be the first one to tell their athletes, no excuses, right? Whether it's being late, whatever, that's, that's a very common thing. Cause usually, you know, typically in a 14, 18 year old, there's going to be a lot of excuses, right? I have that same thought process with our coaches because I believe in them so much. We had a coach and you know, forgive me, we're, we're on episode like 250 on our podcast. I think this gentleman was episode number like 90. So I forget his name, but we had a high school coach from Kentucky come onto the podcast, high school track coach. And he had no facility, not a bad facility. He had no track facility, but he really wanted to host a meet. He wanted to, you know, to have senior day and those kind of things that we traditionally have. And man, let me tell you what, this guy, created a track meet at his at his facility at his high school no facility at his high school using the things that he had he got permission to to it's, it's uh, the picture he showed me it's amazing he got permission to dig a big hole right in front of the school so that's where he did long jump right off the sidewalk into the the hole with sand he did the throws over in the softball baseball complex off of the uh the home plate and then he had this kind of like lap in his parking lot and it was roughly i think if i if i remember him right he told me it's like you know 160 meters or something like that so they would do the 160 you know, the, the one lap dash and the two lap dash uh and then the the four by one lap uh, and then the four by two, you know, he, he let no excuse happen to have a home track and field meet, have a senior day for his seniors. And I thought that was like the most, like that to me is the embodiment of what track coaches and coaches in general do. That is amazing to me because I bet you, I guarantee you those athletes learned more about his resolvency of hosting a track meet than they did about track and all those kind of things. Those are the kind of kids that are going on to college and in our society that are going, man, wait a minute, my track coach held a, a track meet with no track. I can do this in my job. Come on. I can figure this out. That, that to me is just amazing and really is what coaching high school athletes is all about. That's the, that's the epitome of interscholastic athletics at large right there, Mike. I mean, you do, you do the most with the least and you figure out how to be gritty and you get the job done because we're in the memory making business. And all those kids are probably not going to do this for the rest of their lives when they graduate. So I was going to say, you know, you, you're talking about the memory, you know, then everyone's going to remember that event, right? You know, 50 years, they're still going to be talking about, we had a, we had a track meet in a parking lot. I mean, and so, I mean, that's, that, that's the, 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 what interscholastic is about is those memories. We have to remember as coaches, 99% of our kids, probably 99.9, are not going to go on to do this in college, even though it's the most participated sport there. And definitely 99.999 aren't going pro in track and field, right? But every kid that a coach works with, they're all going to be parents. They're all going to be spouses. They're all going to be business owners, clergy, teachers, maybe future coaches. And that is the real positive impact that coaches are making on young people. And that to me is immeasurable that is the real benefit to society is what coaches are doing with young people for resiliency grittiness. i love that grittiness that is the most amazing part of what our coaches are doing in high school yeah i think we could always use a little bit more uh, grittiness and and handling adversity i think that's Absolutely. those are the new skills these days that we have to be teaching kids but to your point and just to slam at home the whole point of what we do is to make well-rounded individuals that are actually productive in society, right? Like, and if, and if, if I don't know many coaches, I should say this, the good coaches, that's what they're doing. And when they produce the good, you know, the well-rounded kid, you usually have success that comes from that because the kids know what to do. They're responsible. Right. They're respectful. They're hardworking. 
and they'll go run through the brick wall, no pun intended for a track episode, but like they'll go do the work to get it done. And then you'll see success on the backside. And that success might be running a 160 meter lap in a parking lot because that is what your coach chose to make the best out of. Um, You, You know, you said a word there that probably is the most important word in any athletic departments, high school, college, doesn't matter. And that is culture. You know, I, I truly think culture is more important than the X's and O's, whether we're talking about football plays or whether we're talking about how do I make an athlete run faster? You know, when you look at programs around the country in any sport that go from say the bottom to the top, it's typically not because some coaches came in and they knew how to call plays better, or they knew how to coach hurdlers and throwers better. It typically is because they brought in a culture of love for each other and fun and and uh, again, the grittiness, getting back to it, that is typically how we have success in our sports. And that's how we typically have continued success in those sports as well. So I think culture, that's another one of those things we don't, we, we like to talk about it because it's a buzzword. You know, we, you know, there's plenty of books about it and things like that, but we don't talk about when, when we go to clinics, track clinics, football clinics, I've been to all of them, basketball clinics. Uh, 90% of all those clinic speakers are going to talk about how to, how to run this kind of offense or how to coach this type of event. Uh, very few are about, Hey, how do you uh, get buy-in from parents? That's culture. Uh, as an athletic director, how do you get, uh, you know, we need help, uh, officiating the long jump and the shot put at uh, track. Why isn't the basketball coach raising his hand? Say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do long jump for you because you track coach, you came to my basketball game and you helped run my concessions or you ran my shot clock or whatnot. That is healthy culture on the athletic director side of how do we have a, uh, I hate to use the word family, but how do we use, how do we have this group of coaches and assistant coaches and, uh, and, and et cetera? How do we have them working together to be successful in all of their sports, not just the one that they're assigned over? You just hit that dead on the nose. I don't think you have to worry about using the trap terms of culture and family. I think the kicker is, is a lot of times you don't win in an athletic department, your head coaches don't understand that they're all a part of the same team. And when, when you, when you can get a group of head coaches that are in different seasons and different times of the year that are in different sport, um, uh, specific, you know, specific sports, when you can wrap their heads around that they're all on the same team with the same kids because they are, and they see it and they can do it. It, it matters to the culture uh, that when you can get them to come and support and you get other kids to come and support. And this, holy moly, that's, that's a whole nother podcast episode that we could talk about is, is department cultures uh, because those are hard things to do to get th- those individuals on the same page to do what you just said, Mike, uh, because that is powerful. And that does provide culture that, that transcends into the kids because they see that coaches care that other programs are going to other program stuff and they're not in the same season. Right. Like that's the big one. And that's why I think, especially if you share those kids, right. If if, if you share those athletes and you don't want to go support them in the other sport, I mean, that, that's a culture killer right there. That's exactly, that's what I was going to tell you. You nailed it right there, Freddie, back to track and field. And that's why I think track is the uh, you know, it's, it's part of a healthy athletic department is because the kids, no matter what event can go, no matter what sport can go into somewhere in track and field and have success, some form of success. They're not all going to be all state and all that kind of stuff, but they can have success and get better, which will help their sports. It's the same in that uh, atmosphere of the coaches. They have to be able to support each other. If you have a coach, 
I don't know, I'm gonna say this is my opinion, but I'm pretty sure this is close to a fact here. If you have a coach that says you should only be doing this sport year round, don't go do other sports. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about a track coach that says that too, by the way, Mm -hmm. Uh, in high school, if you are, if you are all about having that kid play only your sport, you don't have that kid's best interest at heart. You have yourself at heart and that well boy, college what? college coaches when they come to recruit want to know that you are a multi-sport athlete they don't want the the specialized athlete that all the, the uh, i'm gonna call them out that all the club and travel ball teams think that they that you're supposed to be because you know they want a, a well-rounded investment right they don't want a you know say a pitcher whose arm is shot because he he, he throws you know year round he doesn't they don't want a, a soccer player whose acls are going to bust the first match because that's all they they do that you know there's there's different you know things and you know I, when i use the again being a clemson guy i use the example of you know cj spiller right was one of the best running backs we had but he was also a phenomenal track athlete mm-hmm. um and you know and was able to do both obviously at the high school level but and at the college level and it it helped both sports you know doing both i don't know if we can beat that i don't know if we can beat that topic any further gentlemen that uh I, again, we could have, we should probably have another podcast episode that that dives into uh, culture within your department in regards to coaches supporting kids across the sports that they do. Uh, and again, I think you can get into the trap trap phrase again. You know, multi sport athlete. Again, it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to do it and mm-hmm. to lift it up as something that, like, no, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a grizzly. That means we do all these activities, not. I'm a grizzly. I only do, I only do my sport. I do all of these activities, right? We share kids. We support kids across it. Uh, total side note. There is, there was a, I met an athletic director that does it. And then I had, uh, a gentleman that was kind of like under me with being a, I was mentoring him and his college did it. And it was, it was, it was a something cup. It was an inner, it was an inner department, uh, piece, uh, an award, uh, competition inner inner department competition i'm really losing this thought now at this point uh but he it was at his college did it and i was like man that would be genius to try and we started going down the line of of it was over covid that we were trying to come up with it because we had the time to think about this but you know it there's a lot of points given it was the whole point of it was uh programs got points for kids that did well in the program in that sport in that in that season but then there's a ton of points given to programs that went and went to other programs and either helped run their events either helped uh, either became their cheer sections either became, and, and there was points to it. We never, we never inked it, but he, he came from a smaller college. I want to say it was in St. Louis is where he played baseball at and they had it. And it was, it was, I mean, their AD at this college made, made it a point. Like we need, like he was on the baseball team, but they would go and their coach would send out, Hey, we're going to the volleyball game tonight, guys. And you had to have so many people show up and, and have, you had to have a picture. I mean, there's all these pieces to it. It was a lot of work. Don't hear me. Like this is something easy yeah. to do. No, but I'll say we, we did that. We did it. We called it oh. tigers, tiger supporting tigers. There you um, go. And it was, again, it was a competition inner inner competition. And just like you said, it was a percentage that of your team had to go and you had to take a picture uh, you know, at the event, and you know, usually I, I said you had to take a picture like during the third quarter, um, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, not at the very beginning of the game, and everybody leave. Um, Locked in but, the door. You know, you got you got uh, more points if you you know if more like percentage was there, you know, of your team than not, and 
Um, we got, you know, if if you created signs and I mean, like I said, there was there's so many different points cool. that you could do. Um, and it was great because then, you know, you know, it was, it was kind of nerve wracking to the, the girls tennis players whenever, you know, 50 football players showed up, you know, and, and again, nobody, you know, nobody attends tennis matches. You may, you may have a couple parents here and there, but then you get 50 football, football players show up who are rowdy. Right. And, and is, you know, cheering for everything and, and coming up with chants and doing like volleyball serve chants and, and things like that at a tennis match. It was great. Um, again, some, some girls kind of folded and didn't play as well because they got nervous, but it was still a, a, an amazing atmosphere to, to watch. You know how you know how student sections now in volleyball when the when the servers go in to serve and they you know the ball gets dipped down and they're about to throw it up and they're you know the student section goes oh and the ball hit you know gets to the top and then the you know they hit the they come over the top to hit the ball over the net and then you know they go oh boom I uh, I can already see that with fifty football players in tennis the uh, the opponent tennis player getting ready to throw the ball up in the air for the serve and they're just like oh boom <laughs> <laughs> I just I I could just see so many moments of of those coaches being like what the heck is this freddie you know, why, why as, do you have a cheer section <laughs> as athletic directors i'm sure you have said this and thought this and preached this that you know when you go away as an athlete from high school sports it, it's going to be you know as we get 10 20 30 and you know maybe our own experiences as uh, former athletes ourselves uh we forget what the scores were we forget what we won but boy we remember that bus ride that uh you know we did this and with that tennis match we all went to it's like man we've never been to tennis and we went to tennis remember that that's crazy that's what we remember the people that we meet and the experiences that we have along the way and those are typically not on a field or a court it's the culture that builds around it i love that you guys did that freddie it's really cool tigers supporting tigers is that what it was yeah, because again, that was our that was our mascot. Cool. So we just and then at the end of the year, we had a uh, I forgot what we called it, but we had a, an award that that team because we did end of the year awards for you know best female team, most improved mm-hmm. male team, whatever. We did things like that, but uh, the uh, the the big award was the 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 supporting award, and awesome. um, and so it was it was fun, and you know you had some you had some programs that didn't do anything. And, you know, then that was a conversation that, you know, you would have with the coach at the end of the year. It's like, all right, look, you know, y'all, y'all didn't get a chance to get out. And, um, and, you know, a lot of it was, well, I'm sorry, I didn't have any time. I said, well, you got assistants, you've got captains. I mean, you've got, you know, you know, if, if you are an outside uh, coach that has a very busy job, I get it. But uh, you know, you've got other people that can stand in. You've got a, a, a team parent that could stand in and, and, and help this. So um you know it's, it's just finding a way to be part of the the, the school hey i, I want to encourage you and, and listeners you know podcasts like this are extremely important i have a, a huge passion for people being able to find their own voice literally through podcasting but also through other social media i'm a huge social media fan uh for the positivity side of it you know people learn and you know this as teachers people learn in different ways right so some people need to hear something some people need to read it some people need to just be thrown in and kind of feel it and uh watch a video there's all these different ways right so one of the the uh, more underutilized parts of social media and you know i think about this from the linkedin side of of your podcast here is you know they have articles on linkedin you can write an article not just a post you can actually write an article and then you can share that in other social medias. I would encourage you guys from your own experiences, like what you just described there, Freddie with Tigers, supporting Tigers, but you 
I know you're getting a lot of amazing guests that are also giving those type of like real tactical, like it's one thing to say, you need to build a great culture. That, that's awesome. That's real ethereal. I can't really touch or do anything with that. But when I hear Tiger supporting Tigers, I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe I can do something like that at my school. Uh, I would encourage you to write articles on LinkedIn about these real tactical type things like that example there, Freddie, and the other examples that you get from some of your uh, your guests, because that that is what's going to help people. There's I, I know there's someone listening right now that is like, man, a culture, I get it, a healthy uh, track and field program. All right, I get it. How? How do I? Like, what's the the tactic? What's the one, two, three list for me to do? Uh, and build it in my own way in, in my school, because, you know, some schools have 100 kids, some schools have 8,000 kids, so it's going to look a little different in every place. But man, I, I just want to encourage you guys, you're building an amazing database of really smart, intelligent people. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm kind of below the average for you here, but other people way above the average, uh, I'm going to encourage you to, to figure out how to take these tacticals, tactics and spread the word more. And I think athletic directors and schools and student athletes will be better for it. Thanks, Mike. I, uh, that actually, that, 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 you're not wrong. I, we do, we, that'd be a great, another outlet for us to do. I, I appreciate the encouragement on that. Don't sell yourself short on, uh, on this episode. I think there's plenty of tactical takeaways, um, that I guarantee you, uh, some individuals, again, we have a good listenership of ADs, whether they're veteran or new. I, I think there's some stuff that just got brought up in this episode that they can, audibly take away um but i thank you for the encouragement i think uh i've definitely i've, I've written a couple articles for our, our interscholastic um administrators magazine that, that goes out uh for ad's but uh i like the linkedin idea because we do we do we're i think we just i think we're about to hit a thousand people on linkedin that that awesome. follow follow the page yeah and they're yeah. it's it's mainly principals ad's and soups so bravo man that's a that's a big number we again we tend to forget some of these things we we, we think if we don't yeah. have a million what are we doing that is awesome that is a thousand uh, if, if we hit a million freddie and i are retiring and exactly. we're gonna go do something we're gonna go take the money and we're gonna sell the podcast at that point <laughs> uh if, if i ever if we hit a million on either of those platforms it's, it starts with one you gotta hit a thousand before there's you not a even a million ad's that exist so if we hit a million i don't know who who y'all listening to us but uh it's more than like the you know, the couple of <laughs> four to 800 that we get on a, on a weekly basis. Um, I, uh, <laughs> dude, thanks for the encouragement though, Mike, seriously, I, I, all joking it. aside, like that is uh that is something that we could easily dive into because we do have a, a, a good base of maybe something with some more tactical takeaways too, from some of these, uh, you got anything to add before we wrap this, this piece up and then we're going to take another one more ad break. I'm hoping if Freddie's not fully busy in dad mode there that, uh, I can have him do a, an, an ad lib for a box out on this ad break, but, uh, just prepping him for that one. Uh, Mike, do you have anything in the bookend? No, it's good, man. I just, you know, I just love what you guys do. And so I always want to, you know, I love social media because of, of encouragement and I, and I try to combat the negativity. So that's why you didn't Amen. think you were, you didn't think you were going to get homework when you invited me on here, but that, <laughs> that's where I, I just love encouraging people because I get encouragement from what you guys are doing for me. So it's kind of my payback, honestly. It's like, well, how can I add value to you? So uh, just love what you guys do and just want to help you continue to uh, grow and spread the message. I well, appreciate it, Mike. I definitely will take, we're going to, I mean, Freddie and I can sit down. I have a feeling he has a few things that we could easily write for sure on that. Y'all, we're going to change up this second ad break before we go back to finish off with Mike and send him on his way today. Uh, here's some words from the mouth itself for one of our fearless sponsors, Box Out. 
Freddie's in dad mode. We have a, we have a special appearance by uh, Riley right now. And, uh, and so I'll take it from here for him. Box out for those of you looking at speaking of social media, how Mike just put on there box out is a easy to use platform for all of you that are not social media managers or don't have a sports information director at your disposal. It is, you can make graphics at the speed of sports. It is so quick. Even I can do it from my phone for the podcast. When I forget that I didn't make a graphic and we're sending out an episode, I can do it from my phone in seconds because it saves your templates and they're already set templates. And the best part is, is it's just plug and play. You type in what you need for words. You change out your color codes and your logos, put in a picture and out it goes. And they even have multi-format, which is fantastic. Multi-format, you can go across whether it's going into Twitter X whether it's, I don't even know which way you call that anymore, but Twitter X, whether it's going into Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, it is uh, extremely easy to uh, to use. And they have templates for everything from holiday occasions to signing days to name your type of sport. And it goes into lineup cards across the across the board. Uh, so if you haven't looked at Box Out, definitely look into them. Uh, we use them for the podcast and uh, and many others use them as well. And we've had quite a few of their current customers on with us, um, especially if you've ever listened to our media program one, which is one of our most listened to episodes. So uh, on that note, again, we thank, Sp- we thank one of our main sponsors in Box Out. And uh, unfortunately, I wish I would have had Freddie and Riley be able to give that one. But hopefully I didn't fully butcher it. Again, Box no, Out. No, that's good. I'm, like I said, in, in the middle of trying to feed, burp, and and be a part of the podcast. So we're... We're, we're, we're multitasking right now. And we're not editing any of that out y'all because we are un unequivocally ourselves all the time on this podcast. So again, box out graphics at the speed of sports. Uh, if you haven't checked them out, check them out, uh, and meet Freddie in person and Robbie, I believe at NADC in December, that's coming up, uh, for all of you making the trip to Orlando. So Mike, we're going to wrap this one up with you. Uh, one thing we like to do is, uh, Freddie and I think one day we're going to go on a food tour. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but if we're coming to you in Illinois, where are we going to eat? Oh man, that's a great question. You know, one of my all time favorite places here in Champaign-Urbana is this kind of farm to table place called Big Grove. Um, it's been there now for a oh gosh forever. Uh, and they just, you know, I've never had a bad meal there. I've, I've had a lot of great meals at a lot of bunch of places, but I'll tell you what, Big Grove, I've never had a bad meal, everything from shrimp and grits to obviously the burgers, things like that. Um, I just love it. And when we bring in customers and things like that, that's always our our lunch or dinner spot is the Big Grove. Love it to death. I've been learning to love uh, shrimp and grits. I've learned to love I, my favorite type of grit. And I'm going to, again, I moved to Georgia. We've been here over two years now. Come on now, not grit. It's grit. not that type of grit. It's still grit. I, I was going to give him the, I was gonna give, I was gonna give him the okay. pass, Freddie. Grits. <laughs> my, my favorite grits smoked gouda grits you, you know freddie he's on a diet so he just eats one grit at a time so <laughs> right. no hey, no I okay say, here if you you're go. gonna I'll, be a true southern it's it's always grits I'll, I'll make it worse for myself my wife and i are in the store trying to find grits and i'm like i don't even know what, grit, what aisle grits are found in little did i know that y'all eat grits for breakfast oh yeah so i didn't well i don't i like savory grits and i don't eat them with my breakfast i eat them with dinner items so I know, I know, I know they're, they're y'all are listening. They're shaking their heads right now. And I threw y'all in there just to try to save my butt. Um, it's not saving much, uh, grits. They're on the breakfast aisle for non Southerners listening to this podcast from a, 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 a Pacific Northwest born and That's raised funny. boy. Uh, 
and I don't know how you eat it in, in the the north, but you know we it's we don't. it's grits with with, bu- with with a ton of butter, ton, and, yeah. and 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 some cheese. If if you're a cheese person, ton of butter and ton of cheese, and you just lather it up and that, and yep. I'll, I'll you're, take you're good a couple, to go. Couple eggs over easy and just oh. mash it up in there too. Okay, now yeah, see yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Freddie. To your point, that's my favorite kind though. Right now is is smoked gouda grits, ton mm-hmm. of smoked gouda. And a lot of butter. butter. So I at least know how to, I make them myself. So at least I know how to make them. I might not know where to find them. And I might not know that you have to say grits every time. <laughs> All joking aside on the fact that I'm not from the South. I, uh, but I live there. Mike, thanks for your time. Uh, I, this was fun. I, it's always fun when I, a lot some, a, a majority of our guests don't just come through our email a lot of times they come through us from uh, X, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, and and it's just a direct message. Hey, I listened to you. Hey, I saw you. Um, I thanks for reaching out because I don't. I again, I wouldn't have come across your podcast, The Gill Connections, and or thought of let's talk track. <laughs> yeah, you, you know the the reach out was because a little bit to back to that encouragement with the LinkedIn idea for you. Um, you know, I saw somehow you came across my my Twitter as well, and I and I pretty much live on Twitter. Like I'm literally on there. I don't know eight out. Mm, it might push eight hours a day. Sometimes I'm on there a lot. Um, you know, I saw someone retweeted or something. I saw what you did and I saw what you were doing and what you're doing is you're uplifting people who were uh, coaches and athletic directors who work with 14, to 18 year old kids, high school, young kids. And you know what, again, that's just invaluable. It's immeasurable what they do. And of course our teachers as well, but I'm focused on the sports side here. And so when I saw, here's another outlet that's, you know, uplifting these men and women who are daily working with these young people positively, man, it was easy to say, Hey man, you guys are doing an awesome job. Please keep it up. Like we need to hear these voices more. So I'm just so grateful for what you do and and putting a, a spotlight on these men and women who, you know, again, the positive impact they make on 14, 18 year old kids is just it's immeasurable. So I appreciate you spotlighting them for the hard work that they do. Mike, how can people find uh, connect with you? Uh, on our website, we will put your email and we put the web, you know, the link, but not everyone listening will go to our website for that. So just audibly how, uh, what's the easiest way for some people can, to connect to you if they have some questions about track, or maybe they want to reach out to you about Gill athletic, um, athletics for their track equipment. Yeah. The super easy. If you're on Twitter, I realize not everybody is it's, it's on Twitter and that's literally my name at Mike Cunningham, all one word. I was lucky enough to to steal it from someone else, to be honest with you, because uh, I was doing a lot of advertising with Twitter back in the day. Uh, and it will always be Twitter to me, by the way. <laughs> you mentioned Amen. Twitter X. No, it ain't no. being X. I don't know what that stuff is. It is Twitter. Uh, so at Mike Cunningham at Twitter is obviously the super simplest way, but not everybody is on Twitter. So email is probably the, the next best way. And real simple, I'm actually, you know, I'm a big Hurdles fan. So uh, if you just email H-U-R-D-L-E, Hurdle, at gillathletics.com that goes straight to me. Um, and then I'm also, this is probably, I don't know if anybody's ever done this. I'm crazy enough to do this. My cell phone is open 24 seven through text, et cetera. So uh, you can always reach out to me by text at 217-898-3038. I figure, you know, if you Google my name and cell phone and Gil, it pops up. So I, I don't have any secrecy on my cell phone number uh, to give that out as well. So we'd love to hear from anybody. Uh, I'm a huge passionate, you know, my, my, name on uh, Twitter, not just the handle, but the name is I love track and field coaches because that is my mission every day is to bless, uplift, give value to the men and women who coach this amazing, amazing sport. And uh, you know what? They don't do it without athletic directors supporting them as well. Servant leadership is huge from you guys and gals out there. So uh, reach out to me through Twitter, email, 
cell phone, smoke signals, braille. I don't care. Uh, let's just communicate. That's the important thing. And a whole nother one for y'all. Uh, NA, this is again, Thanksgiving week. We got, we're into some single digit weeks coming for the national athletic directors conference in Orlando. Uh, Gill athletics will be there, right? Yep, Mike. Absolutely. My crew will be there. Perfect. We love this show. It's an amazing show. So find, find the Gill athletics crew, tell them the AD podcast sent you. I don't think that gets you a discount, but just might as well say it. You never um, know. So they know where the marketing reference came from. Uh, as well as you're going to see Freddie and I there, we are Friday. I don't know if Freddie's Freddie's your mic hot right now or no. You on? It can be. Yep. We're Friday night, right? We're Friday night with six fourteen. LTC. Yep. Six, Friday, yeah. Friday, six fourteen. Monday morning, six thirteen. All things Google. All things Google. Monday morning, bright and early. Bring your coffee. Bring your breakfast. Uh, we'll have some fun Monday morning with you in the classroom, as well as Friday night. Uh, probably get ready to go have a drink afterwards. We're happy to go do that with you afterwards. But from six to ten Friday night in Orlando, uh, we're talking all things digital communications and you know all the new things that are out there for ads. Uh, we'll be talking that one too. So if you haven't signed up for those, definitely sign up for them. Uh, again, you'll see box out down there. Wall of Fame is going to be down there. Gill Athletics is going to be down there. Uh, and we'll hope to see you there. If you're already listening, you found us. I, like I said, the last episode, I think I'm done saying where we're at. Uh, adpodcast.com is the website. If you want some more information there, as well as obviously where you're listening right now is where we'll always be coming out to you on. Uh, until next time, I'm Scott. I'm Freddie and Riley. And, and I'm just Mike. And thank you for listening to the AD podcast, where we fully understand what AD truly stands for. It's your working all day, after dark, and handling all duties. Love your kids. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bring your school's legacy to life with the Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. Our interactive display highlights your greatest moments and top performers, both past and present, across athletics, academics, and the arts. But it's also so much more. With our one-of-a-kind content program, we help you every step of the way so you can tell more compelling stories that will engage your whole community. The ghosts who appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most. Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. Got a bat for you, carry the load. It's coffee to the soul for those of us who stay on the go. Pop a hand off and stay in the zone. What you packing for the road? There's more than one way to go. Take notes, that's paying your toe. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen to you, listen with both ears. Can't mentor without a mentor years of experience so you can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a standard to live up to. And the price sacrifice, can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight, not a win or lose. It's not a ploy, but advice so y'all can make more moves. It's not about how to, it's all about why. You don't know till you know who you are inside. Six million ways to tie, choose none So we all cross the finish line, the work ain't done So we learn from the experts, we all gotta put in the legwork Guild Athletics is a network, it's all about connections Put together for the profession, to every track coach can be a blessing